0: Welcome to No Matter What. I'm Hannah Seymour, and this podcast is all about being who God created you to be no matter what, no matter your past, your current circumstances, no matter your relationship status, your career journey, no matter what life throws at you. Each episode, I invite a friend to talk about what that actually looks like, to be who God created you to be no matter what. Welcome back to another episode of No Matter What. I'm Hannah Seymour, and I am so excited to have my very new friend, Christy McClellan, in the studio today. Let me tell y'all a little bit about Christy. Christy is a professor at Williamson College, and she serves as a biblical culturalist. And Christy, we're going to have to talk about what that means. We certainly can. And she has a master's in Christian education. I did not know this until I Googled you from good old DTS, Dallas Theological Seminary. I should have known that you were a DTS woman. She goes on trips to Israel and Egypt and Greece and Turkey and Italy. And she has this amazing background in education and understanding Middle Eastern culture, understanding the historical, geographical, cultural, linguistic context of what was going on when the Bible was being written. And when she teaches the word, she teaches it through that lens. Her ministry is called New Lens Biblical Studies. I have sat under Christy's teaching at my church. Christy teaches on Sundays, but she also taught a study called Jesus and Women in the first century and now. And I sat through that And y'all know I have a preacher daddy and y'all know my preacher daddy goes to Israel and he knows all the things as well about the historical and cultural background. I learned so much every single week in that Jesus and women study. It blew my mind. And what's so fun is Lifeway just published. It is a book study. There are videos to go along. If you were going to pick one thing to do for the rest of 2020, Pick this book, gather some friends, get on Zoom, everyone buy the book, watch the videos together, talk about it. I mean, it will blow your mind and something that Christy says a lot when she's teaching, she'll drop some truth bomb and then she'll look at you and go, who loves Jesus right now? And I mean, every time I'm like hands raised, like I do, I really do, Christy, that was amazing. So anyway, you will love Jesus more, I promise you, as you walk through this study, I'm giving like the most intense sales pitch on this and was not planned. This is just, I appreciate it. Anyway, all that to say, I have sat under Christy's teaching and I thought, man, for season two, I've got to get this woman on this podcast. I need to share her with my people, with my, no matter what people. So all of that very long winded intro, Christy, hi, and thank you for being here. Hello, my new friend. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay. We're going to jump right in. No, wait. First we have to talk about what is a biblical culturalist.
1: Yeah, excellent. And I get <laughs> asked that all the I'm time. I am sure you do. Um in 2007, when God opened up the door for me to go study the Bible in Egypt and Israel. I went in a spirit of professional development. I yep. was already teaching Bible at Williamson College. Yep. I was also on staff at a local church here teaching Bible. Yes. And I had always wanted to go to the land. I'm a visual experiential learner. Mm-hmm. And so when the door opened, I thought this is a good next step for me. Yep. What I didn't know is that it was about to begin the adventure of a lifetime for me. Wow. And it was an adventure that found me, that just came to me. The living God just opened up the door. And I tell people all the time, I went to Israel and learned that God is better than I ever knew. Yeah. And I thought he was awesome when I went. Yeah, yeah. And there was just something about getting to know the Bible Mm -hmm. and the living God of the Bible, Mm -hmm. getting to know Jesus in his Jewish, first century Jewish world, that culture, that context um, that just completely it upended me. It wonderfully wrecked me is the way I like to say it. And I remember being on the plane coming home crying and knowing I will never be the same creature ever again. And for the last 13 years, um, that adventure continues. It continues to this very moment and hopefully for the rest of my life. But I feel like my purpose is to be a bridge. Between the Western church and the worlds and the lands of the Bible. And what a culturalist does very simply is I function like a time machine. (laughs) I'm going to just take you back and take you over. Yep. 2,000 years to the first century world of Jesus to better understand him Mm -hmm. as a man of his day, his words, his interactions. What did people believe in Jesus's day? When we read the four gospels, words in red, he's speaking into a culture, Mm -hmm. into a context. Mm -hmm. Words have meaning. Sometimes the way we define a word in English is different from the way the Hebrews define a word. And so for me, getting to serve the local church in the West as a culturalist It's just this wonderful Mm -hmm. opportunity to um, unpack the scriptures and somewhat see them move from black and white to color
0: in some ways,
1: and then moving from sort of stationary to to this living fluid thing. And, you know, we talked about this before we even started today, but something that I just want to say in a way of encouragement, just for all of your people, no matter what people who are listening, (laughs) I learned this from a rabbi in Israel. And he talked about how the Greeks read literature, Mm. but the Jews eat the Bible. Uh And there's a difference Mm. in reading, Mm -hmm. which can feel intimidating. Mm -hmm. Um, Am I smart enough? Am I fast enough? Am I quick enough? But the Jewish people really see the scriptures as food Mm -hmm. prepared by the living God as our father fed to us as his children. Wow. And so when we sit down at our dinner tables, we're not stressed. We're not worried about. We just pick up our fork and we eat our food. And um, so I'm really passionate about every single believer in the living God, knowing Mm -hmm. that God fully intends to meet with us every time we open our Bibles and that he is fully committed to doing the work. Yeah. We get to just put our bill on and open our Bible like children and just posture ourselves to receive. He will do the cooking. He will Mm. do the preparing. He will set the table and he will do the feeding. Mm. So Bible reading is more about posturing ourselves to receive Mm. rather than acclimating ourselves to knowledge or to learning something. Yes. Uh, and so it's just such a different framework, even in how we approach the Bible yes. and how we approach the scriptures. And so that believer that's been a believer for two minutes and 30 seconds. <laughs> there's a feast for you. Yeah. That seasoned saint who's been walking with Jesus for 60 years, yep. there's a new feast yep. for you. Yep. The living and active God with the living and active word of God. Right. So there's always a new menu, always new food, always new things he's saying and doing, but it has made me relax mm. even as a Bible teacher. Like yeah. I get paid to teach the Bible. <laughs> um, and there's certainly a weight to that responsibility. Sure. But I feel no sense of weight or pressure in needing to go get something out of the Bible mm. to feed to you. Mm. It's more like what a culturalist does is I just sit here and say, hey, look at this. Yeah. Do you know what this would have been like in Jesus's day? Yeah. And it just brings it all to the bottom shelf. Man. It, we're all kindergartners yeah. in the faith. Yeah. Whether we've been to seminary or Israel or not, yeah. it doesn't matter. No. We are all kindergartners being fed by a good father. Man,
0: That is so good. Yeah. I have been learning so much about what it means to stay in fellowship with the Lord, stay connected to God's spirit and in his word. And it's so funny, I just had a conversation with a friend about she was saying, well, if if they're not doing all the things and posturing themselves and like, how is like, I believe that it says, you know, if you seek God, you'll find him. But what if you're not seeking? And, you know, immediately I'm like, but the great news is, is sometimes he just chooses to find you. You could be running in the opposite That's direction. Exactly right. And he chooses yes. to, I mean, think about, I literally was like, think about Saul. Was Saul seeking Jesus in any way, shape, or form? Uh-uh. And God said, you, I'm going to meet with you. And uh, what you're just saying is so beautiful. If we just crack open that Bible, he is ready to meet you and ready to do the work. Mm-hmm. And what, that takes off so much pressure. Oh, man. Well, there's a difference in
1: sitting down with a book and sitting down with a living God. That's right. And his presence is with us in these moments. You know, it's interesting even talking about if you're running away from God, teaching the Bible with a Middle Eastern lens. Mm -hmm. We have a very famous parable here. I mean, you're a church girl. I grew up in church. The parable of the prodigal son is what we call it. But in the Middle East, they call it the parable of the running father.
0: When I learned that from you, again, and that Jesus and women, I mean— That it changed, not changed everything in my whole life, but that was a, I mean, that (laughs) was a a major light bulb switch went on. I had been in a dark corner in my house and I didn't know it. (laughs) Yeah, that's
1: right. Yeah. And there's a, there's a difference if we have to go find God rather than allowing ourselves to be found and brought home. I love that. The good news, it's, it's more good news than we even know.
0: Could ever imagine. Absolutely. He is better than we ever knew. God, so good. Okay we got to talk about your no matter what. Okay. Okay. So I've told Christy all about the show and how we talk to folks about one time or season or area or whatever, where life was not ideal, where it was uncomfortable, where things just were confusing. And so I said, Hey, I know you probably got lots of these. What is one that you would want to come onto the show and talk about where you decided and you were committed and intentional. I'm going to be who God has created me to be in this situation and I don't even know what we're going to talk about. So I'm excited. So Chrissy, oh. set the stage for us. What was going on in your life? Tell us about this season. Well, first of all, just to pull back the curtain a little Please. bit, when I got your email, because it's June
1: 2020, that, that this is the <laughs> yes, season that yes. we're in, and this is actually a really important month for me, and June 30th mm-hmm. in a few days is a very important day in my own life, and it, it connects to the no matter what story yeah. that I want to talk about today, because it's what I am remembering, it's what I am mm-hmm. thinking about. So, June 30th of 2016, Okay, so four years ago this month. Yeah. Um, I think I mentioned I'd been serving on staff at a church for 17 years, and I had been taking teams to Israel on two-week biblical study trips, but it was kind of something I did on the side almost in my spare time, and the culturalist in me was growing, and the Bible Mm -hmm. with the Middle Eastern lens in me was growing. I felt pregnant almost, and I've never actually birthed a child, but my friends who've had children, say, in the ninth month, you're just ready to pop. You, you can't out. sleep. You're yeah. like, don't so touch me. Don't mess yep. with me. I just need to birth this baby. Yep. And I think I started feeling that huh. in my soul and in my spirit that God had actually grown something in me wow. that was ready for delivery, Wow! but it was going to require me to take a leap of faith. Wow! And that meant transitioning from my full-time job at that church mm-hmm. And trusting the living God. Now, the reason it was a no matter what moment for me is I am Captain Safety.
0: Sure.
1: I am the poster child of (laughs) Captain Safety. I need a plan. Yeah. And, you know, God, if you want to move me, if I'm on a lily pad, Mm -hmm. just show me the next lily pad. Just, Christy, you're jumping here. Okay, I'll get a running start and we'll go. Yeah. But it was the first time in my life. That God was dealing with me in a more Abrahamic way mm. of go to the land, I will show you. Mm. <laughs> he didn't mm-hmm. tell him where he mm-hmm. was going. And for me, just in my personality, in my story, I'm an only child. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I raised that is I grew up with everything being exactly where I left it. Sure, Nobody was stealing my toys yeah. or Taking my car keys, borrowing
0: your clothes, borrowing my clothes.
1: So, life is just exactly as I left it. And so, for me, when I use the word terror, uh, I really mean that Um, it was a terror for me. And I was writhing and just struggling because I knew the Lord was saying, I'm ready to birth something new, but I am not going to show you what it is until you take the leap. And so, it was this um, maturing with the living God. 'Cause we have this imagery in the Bible of him like a shepherd out in front of us leading the way. Mm-hmm. But it actually felt like he walked behind me and put his hands on my back mm. and started gently slowly pushing like, pushing forward. me forward. <laughs> and I was just resisting and I just kept telling him, Lord, I'm with you. Just show me what show me what you're doing and I'll do it. Show me where we're going and I'll do it. And eventually I really came to just know that he was really trying to say to me I am going to deal with you in a different way cuz this is going to be a different adventure than mm. anything you have ever mm. experienced. Yeah. And so I need to grow some things in you and yeah. I need to mature some things in you. Yeah. I need to show you some things about who I am and who you are and who we are together. Uh-huh. So June 30th of 2016, it was the the day of the leap It was my last day after 17 years at
0: that church. So you literally were like, Hey guys, love y'all love, love this. But I, I feel like God is calling me onto something else. And I don't know what that is, but (laughs) well, and I'm I'm single
1: too. So just to mention, it's not like a two income household. I mean, we're going to be
0: fine financially. Right. I mean,
1: it's me, you know, in the, in the living God taking that leap and you know, I had really good friends that I've known in the city for 20 plus years. So they know me. They're my tribe. Mm-hmm. And they were watching me writhe. And they really started saying things to me like, Christy, it's not going to move forward until you do this. It's just not. So we're praying for you and we are here <laughs> for you and bless the Lord. On your but, team, but... but mm-hmm, you know, just a little, yeah. a little smack around yeah. from the friends. Sometimes is a good thing. And um, so June 30th of 2016, I took the leap and I entered into my no matter what season that I'm even pondering because I'm headed toward June 30th of wow. 2020, the four year anniversary of yeah. that moment. Yeah. And I've got to tell you just a quick story. So I took the leap and within six weeks of it, I was sitting out on my front porch one morning drinking my coffee. My dog was running around and I noticed water coming out from underneath my garage door. That is not a good sign. And I'm thinking, I don't know what that is. Mm -hmm. Opened my garage and my hot water heater had exploded. And I don't know if you've bought a hot water heater lately, but they are not cheap. And I was like, Lord, are you kidding me? Yeah. And I got angry, to be totally honest. Yeah. I was like, Lord, I took the leap. I did the Abrahamic yeah. thing. I'm trying to trust you. I yeah. don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm like waking up every morning with no plan, no structure. How am I going to make it financially? Like I felt like I was in a desert. I just felt like I'd entered into a desert. And now you're letting my hot water heater go out. Yeah. And I just didn't know what to do. And probably about three weeks after that, my car developed a gas leak. And it was gonna cost more to fix it than to replace the car. No. I mean hot water heater. No car the first within the first two months Mm -mm. of me taking the leap.
0: Mm -mm.
1: And I can just remember like writhing. And that just being yeah. like, God, where are you? I did what you asked me to do. Yeah. And now I've got these big financial things I've got to figure out. Yeah. And, you know, I remember I was walking my dog one day. His name's Chester. He's named after G.K. Chesterton, one of my favorite theologians. Naturally, naturally. Chester, we had to shorten it to Chester. And I was just, I was just telling God. I was just pouring my heart out. I mean, I could have written a psalm. I was just <laughs> like lamenting to the living God. I mean, I just can't believe this. This isn't working out. You're not showing me what's next. And I just remember, you know, the Lord just being like, yeah, this is part of it. And I've got you, you know, and almost like, am I enough? Wow. That was the way I heard it. Yep, Like him asking me, am I enough for you? And man, it was just a journey. It, It was a total journey. And you talk about the word of God, but in that season, Probably about two months later. So this would have been about three and a half months, maybe four months into my leap. Yeah. I went to visit a really good friend of mine in Pittsburgh. Me and two other girlfriends went. Little girls trip. Because they all my, my people knew I was struggling. Yeah. And they were like, let's just get out of town. Let's yeah. go rest. And I remember getting on the plane. And nothing was really coming forth or coming together you know other churches were reaching out and hey we heard you're free would you and I was and I just knew that wasn't it I knew that God was wanting to do something new Uh and man I pulled that old school thing where I just had a moment on the plane and I had a moment on the plane I, I put my little lap tray down I took out my Bible and I said okay God here we go now before I even tell you this story for sure This never has happened to me this way. So it's not a formula. It's not like stick a quarter in the thing and get a gumball. But I think God knew I was losing it. And I said, God, here's the thing. You've got to speak to me. Mm -hmm. You've got to say something to me because I'm I'm lost in this. I don't know what's going on. And I opened my Bible on my little lap tray Mm -hmm. in the plane and I took my index finger. Mm -hmm. And I did that whole thing of I am just going to put my finger down. And I need you to speak to me. And I had kept telling God, I just feel like you've moved me into a desert. I just feel like I'm in a desert. Like, I don't know north, south, east from west. Yeah. I'm disoriented. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. I thought I thought I obeyed you and it was going to look a certain way, like, i.e., just direction. Yeah. And this is literally the verse no. that my finger. I'm not ready for this. Found. It's Psalm 78, 19. And it literally says, can God spread a table in the desert? (laughs) Can God spread a table in the desert? And that moment changed something in me. It just settled me. Because it it was like the Lord was asking me, do you think I can do this for you? You keep telling me that you're in a desert. Do you think I can spread a table for Mm. you in a desert? Mm. And I told my friends about it on our girls' trip. And I came home from that trip different. Different in posture. Wow. Different in demeanor. Different in hopefulness and expectation. And what God started forming. And I think he was just waiting for me to stop my hissy fit. Uh just to just, just calm down mm-hmm. enough to almost, you know, sometimes you'll just take a child by their face just so they could look at you. Yeah. And Newland's biblical studies started forming and people out of nowhere just started calling and saying, Christy, the thing about you that's that's different, that's unique. It's this lens through which you teach the Bible. Mm. And you've kind of played around with taking people to Israel. But what if this is what you're supposed to do? Yeah. What if this is it? What yeah. if God is actually centering you? And the centrality of your passions of being a biblical culturalist, what if you could do that all day, every day, all the time, and it wouldn't have to be something supplemental on the side of these other jobs. And so January 1st of 2017, we launched New Lens Biblical Studies. It's a tributary through Williamson College, where I teach. And um, so for the last four years, I've been serving as the executive director and literally every day, all day. I get to do things just like this. I get to wow. study the Bible with the Middle Eastern lens and I get to serve people in whatever setting, or atmosphere through the Bible wow. and that ancient historical, cultural, linguistic and geographic context. And so what's so strange is, you know, hindsight's 2020. Always. And so now I sit here June as I'm getting ready to head to June 30th, 2020. And if you would have told me June four years ago, That I would be sitting here with you right now. We didn't know each other four years ago. I didn't know so many of the people that I now know in my life. I believe that. That all that loss and that writhing Mm. and that Abrahamic journey Mm. of taking the leap into nothing, which for Captain Safety was a terror. um, What I have learned in new manifold fashion is that God exactly knows how to set a table in a desert. Mm. And that table for me has been New Lens. Mm. And I really feel like I'm 45 years old and God can do anything he wants with my life. But I really think he's going to let me do this for the rest of my days, whatever it looks like. And so the hindsight is he knew exactly what he was doing. Mm -hmm. And now I'm far enough removed from it to actually be able to look back at that season and smile Mm. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make me want to cry. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make me feel that terror. I remember that feeling. Yeah. But the way that God did provide a hot water heater for mm-hmm. me, and he did provide another car. Wow. And I've got all of these God stories of all of the ways that he just started setting his table mm-hmm. for me in a desert mm-hmm. as he was moving me from sort of a Egypt through the wilderness wanderings yeah. to the promised land. Wow. And so now I'm literally living a dream that I wasn't even smart enough to dream. You see what I'm saying? Like when people ask me about the story of New Lens, I'm like, it kind of just formed. A community helped me. And they were like my midwives. Like I went into labor. I birthed that baby. And there's just such a flow and a synergy now. Mm. And I don't know what the next leap of faith will look like for me. I'm certain there there are others coming. Yeah. And my only prayer, and sometimes I tell God this, is you strengthen some muscles in me through that. Yeah. And I pray yeah. next time. Um, I'm sure I won't ever do it perfect, but I hope I won't ride as long Yeah. because now I've got these testimonies <laughs> and yeah. these stories. Psalm 78, 19 is in my mm. soul. Mm. I-, I talk about it all the time. Yeah. We're sitting here right now because we know how to trust God on the mountain. Yeah. And I think in some ways we know how to trust him in the valley Mm -hmm. because we've been in them before and we know we'll get out. But I think the barrenness of the desert, it's a whole other outworking. And particularly when you feel like God might've put you there. Like for me, it was him leading me away from, and there was just that gap. He could have brought new lens the day after I transitioned. But he is a good parent, Mm -hmm. and he is faithful in his Mm -hmm. parenting. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's really forged some things in my spirit. And um, there's an interesting phrase that the rabbis use. Um, One of the things you were asking me is what would I share with some of your, no matter what, um, peeps. When they find themselves in a similar situation, back to the desert, the book of Exodus, the Israelites wandering through. You know the whole story of the manna. They yeah, started waking course. up in the morning. They would step out of their tent. There's this stuff on the ground, white like coriander seed yep. and honey, yep. which that's not too bad. It sounds good. In the desert. But I mean, I'm sure
0: if you ate it every day for 40 years, well,
1: you'd want to put some salt <laughs> on it. Maybe some, you know, some pepper, something, some cracked pepper. But the rabbis talk about eating the mystery,
0: hmm.
1: that part of the life of faith is learning to eat wow. the mystery. And they liken that to the manna because the Bible says that the Israelites didn't even know what it was. Mm-hmm. They woke up and actually manna in Hebrew mm-hmm. literally means what is it? Yep. It's a question. They walked out of their tents, they looked down and they said, manna, what is it? Yeah. But they knew it came from the right hand of God. Mm. So even though it was a mystery to them, they picked it up and they ate it. Yeah. And that's what sustained them hmm. in the desert. Hmm. And we are a people. We want answers. We sure do. We want clarity. Yep. We want a plan. Yep. We want to know that it's all going to work out, yep. that we're not going to get our knees and our elbows scuffed. Yep. Like that's what we want. But that phrase, eating the mystery. I think about that Mm. a lot right now when I'm heading into something that's unknown Mm -hmm. for me because the whole Lifeway adventure was an unknown for me. Every step of that was an unknown. I've never done podcasts until this year. I feel like every day when I open up my emails, I'm almost like I'm going to eat the mystery because something's (laughs) going to be coming to me that I'm like, I've never done that before. I don't really know how to do that. I need to figure out how to do that. And so I really like that language though because we think that certainty is solid food. Mm-hmm. But the rabbis would say mystery yeah, that's good. with God is a very good kind of food. Yeah, And so we yeah. need to be a people who the know how to food. eat the mystery. That's better yes. than certainty.
0: I mean, we want certainty. Yes. And we would, in our mental capacity, say, no, that is better. But truly, the better food is the mystery with the Lord. That's right. Okay, I think it would be so easy to listen to your story and think, yeah, the resolution is that you know, new lens was birthed. God took her out of a particular church ministry and you could have done that forever and it would have been just fine. God right. would have still used you. It would have been fine. Right? He did have something for you. That thing was birthed. But I think really the true victory in that story isn't the shift in your you know, ministry or vocation and this next chapter, but it's really the spiritual journey God took you through into the place of Hey, Christy, I set tables in the desert. That's, that's actually right. what I specialize in. So my question for you is how do you help? Because that all we can all hear that and go, okay, yeah, that's right. That that's right. But how do we have that spiritual lens? We're so flesh and blood. I mean, that mm-hmm. we're corporal. So yeah. all we think about this life, as hard as we try in this Christian life, it's horizontal and it's it's the things we can see that's tangible, but but what really matters is the spiritual life that we're living in the realm around us. How do we go through desert seasons and try to put on that spiritual lens every day so that we're not so discouraged by the visible desert?
1: Yeah. Almost. How do we deal with the writhing? Yeah. We're like in a place of writhing. I think that rhythms of life Mm -hmm. are really important Mm -hmm. and locating what our rhythms are People speak of it, like for me, I'll just tell you what some of my healthy rhythms are. Walking my dog first thing in the morning is consecrated space for me. (laughs) And I don't, I take a cup of coffee in Chester and I don't, I'm not listening to anything. I don't take my phone. Mm -hmm. I don't take earbuds. It's just the first fruits of my day given to God. Mm -hmm. And I'm not even necessarily praying. I'm just walking with the living God. And my dog mm-hmm. every morning. Yep. And that's real centering for me because some of the best ideas come to me, mm-hmm. sanctified imagination. Yep. Another one for me is travel. Like yep. I need to go somewhere. Yep. I need to get out of my zip code yep. and go. Reading is another one. Yep. Uh, I'll, I'm a nerd, so I'll read everything, but I love reading autobiographies and mm-hmm. biographies mm-hmm. and other people's lives yeah. who've gone before. Yeah that's quickening for me. But, you know, we speak of those things in terms of self-care. I hear that language yeah. a lot here yeah. in the West yeah. and I'm, I'm all in self-care. Yeah. 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 If we're going to honor the Imago Day in each other, yeah. we need to honor it in ourselves. Yep. And so if yep. I'm going to treat you like you're made in the image of God right. with respect and honor mm-hmm. and dignity, I need to treat myself mm-hmm. with respect, that's honor, yeah. and dignity. And that's what self-care, as we would call it mm-hmm. here in the West, is all about. But In the East, they would view it differently. Um, They have another phrase, and they talk about, in the not knowing, if you will just create space, God will fill it. Yeah, I like
0: that so much better than (laughs) self-care. And it's just a different outworking.
1: Um, And it's the idea of exactly what happened, you know, back to the Exodus in the desert. The Israelites built a tabernacle, literally a tent. And the Bible says the glory of the living God filled it. They created the space and he filled it. And all throughout scripture, when Solomon built the temple, same thing. Solomon built the temple. It took him seven years and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And so that for me is much better language Mm -hmm. because I think it touches all of me. It's my soul. It's my mind. It's my heart. And so back to my morning walk with Chester and my cup of coffee. Yep. And the living God. Yes. It's really me creating space mm. mm-hmm. and asking the living God to fill it. Yeah. Because restfulness is something. Quietness of heart is something. Yes. Taking care of my body is something. Yes. And so we can put all of that in the realm of self-care. Yep. And it's all important. Yeah. I wouldn't delete any of those things. I'm simply adding or synthesizing mm-hmm. sort of a different perspective. Yeah. And I think in the writhing. It is really important because I don't know about you, but I have logic myself into oh, disaster a few times yes. when I just take out the pencil and the notebook and try to develop a strategy yeah. or a game plan yeah. to get out of whatever it is that I'm going through yeah. that that historically has not worked well <laughs> yeah. for me mm-hmm. in my life. Yeah. I'm not as smart as I think I am apparently in, in those <laughs> moments. But the last four, well, really the last 13 years since learning some of these things, I think about that often. Mm -hmm. So like Father's Day is coming up. I'm going to be driving home to see my mom in Mississippi where I'm from. And it's about a five and a half hour drive. And I always think about how do I want to create space on that drive for God to fill it Mm -hmm. You know, rather uh-huh. than how am I going to utilize that time? Yeah. Sometimes we're so utilitarian. Oh, yeah. We just want to know that we're efficient yes. or that we accomplish something. Efficiency is
0: king for me. And I'm constantly battling that. I mean, yes. that's so good.
1: Yes. Like how I, I want to make the time worth it. Yeah. I want to use the time yeah. wisely. I and to listen to an audio
0: book. Yes. Or, yeah.
1: And all that may be part of it, but it's really changed it because I think in a way that creating space for God to fill it, really what I'm telling God is I want you I'm trying to create space. It would be like if I invited you over, mm-hmm. I'm going to, you know, make coffee, clean my house a little bit, yeah. make sure I'm setting a space for you to come in yeah. and to feel welcomed yeah. and seen, and yeah. that I want to spend time with you, yeah. and I want I want to share in this with you. And that's a completely different rhythm yeah, than just self-care. Yeah. And so I think for people at any time, but especially in the yeah. writhing, because I think along the way we really do choose if we're going to try to climb our way out of it, yeah, or if we're going to allow ourselves to be found
0: and brought out of it, mm-hmm. and it's two very different mm-hmm. journeys. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you've talked about Psalm seventy-eight nineteen. Were there other places during that writhing desert season that you, either in Scripture or outside of the Living Word? Where you really found encouragement that that helped you to press on and just get out of bed and go on your walks and, I mean, I've always loved the Psalter, yeah,
1: um, the Psalms and and the reason is it was Walter Brueggemann. He's a theologian and he was the first that gave me this language that all of God's word are God's words given to us, mm. but in the Psalms, God has actually given us language, yeah. To give back to him, yeah. And so, what's beautiful about that is, I mean, you—you've got a preacher daddy, so you know this. Yeah. But like, there's cussing in the Bible. <laughs> I mean, sorry, people, if you did. Now everybody's like, I'm gonna go read my Bible.
0: There are a lot of things in the there's Bible. There's a lot of things in, like in the Bible, but
1: <laughs> the Psalms—they're so raw,
0: yeah—and they're
1: unedited, yeah. Um, you know, David is just undone in some moments. Some of some of the other authors of the the Psalter. But I took comfort in that because I grew up with a faith that that sounded more like get yourself together Mm -hmm. and then come to God, yeah, hundred percent. Or you know, be clean. You know, don't say that. That's not ladylike or Christlike, which also translated to don't feel that. Oh yeah, right. So don't feel what you're feeling to make you say these things. Keep it manicured and. Nice and neat, sure. and the psalms—the psalms are just unruly. Do I don't do know that. how else to say it. I mean, the <laughs> yeah. psalms—you can just throw a psalm on the wall and watch it drip yeah. down. And so, during that time, my own language of soul and my writhing—it mimicked the psalms. The psalms mm-hmm. sounded like me. Mm-hmm. And so I would just read them and I would even pray them. In times when I didn't know what to pray, I would just open up a psalm and give those words back to God. Mm -hmm. Just, this is how I'm feeling, you know, here. Yeah. And that just really ministered to me. I think the psalms really show us, and and I think it takes us a long time to really believe this. I think we say it and we say we mean it when we don't, and we think we believe it when we don't fully. Yeah. But that God actually can handle all of us. Yes. As we are. Yes. That we are not heavy for him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, We are not heavy. And the Psalms really teaches that. Yeah. Because the Psalms, I think, give us permission. Yeah. Um, You know, I very much grew up, well, you can't say that to God, Mm -hmm. you know. Okay. Well, what else can I not say to God? Mm -hmm. Like these almost barriers to that authentic and I think the psalms show us oh, you can say whatever mm-hmm. you need to say mm-hmm. to the living God. Mm-hmm. And he can handle it. That's right. And he
0: appreciates it. Yes. It's it's true relationship. It's honest. Yes, it's true fellowship. I on episode one of second season, my friend Melinda Doolittle, and I say her name because I know Melinda Doolittle is also a friend of mine. I'm yours. actually
1: gonna see her after oh, this. No kidding. Oh my gosh, I love <laughs> That's it. That's crazy. I love it. Well, <laughs>
0: I adore her <laughs> yes. and she, incredible. I was telling a story about essentially I'm on my hands and knees cleaning up pee from my toddler and like about, I mean, basically like tears dropping into the pee that I'm cleaning up off the floor. And I just had this moment where I really felt like the Lord was right next to me and said, I'm, I'm here and I'm with you and I care about it. So I'm telling this whole story and I was like, you know, and he's pleased with me and I was like, well, if I had the right attitude at that moment and Melinda was like, uh, God can handle it. Even if you had a bad attitude in that moment. And as this is so fresh on my mind because I was just listening to it yesterday, editing it. I again was just overwhelmed with he's, he's pleased with me. We know David was a man after God's own heart. And David said some crazy things to God, angry, scared. I don't trust you. And God was pleased with David's fellowship with yeah, him yes. his honesty his communication and I I don't know if that's just so counterintuitive to how I don't know if that's like a female and the church thing in America like I don't know what that is where we just learned better not show God that side better not be honest with him yep but yep. he can handle it oh for sure mm-hmm. so good yeah just want to interrupt this conversation for a second to tell you about a couple things. One, each month in 2020, I'm choosing a book of the Bible to study, and I would love for you to join me. You can learn all about it on my Instagram, and you can even download a reading guide to help you. The guide is to give you a super simple, flexible, and really a practical guide in helping you get in a rhythm of reading your Bible and seeing how it can impact your life second, I'm running a major sale on my book, The College Girl Survival Guide. It is the perfect high school graduation gift or just a sweet way to encourage a current college student you know and love. You can even ship the book directly to her with a note from you. Go to hannahseymour.com for more info and use the discount code no matter what, all one word, all lowercase, no matter what at checkout. What about folks who are listening they aren't going through a desert season right now but they I mean the second you're telling your story they're like oh that's my friend so and so Mm -hmm. you know I mean we all love to listen to sermons and think about how someone else needs to hear it but but (laughs) I mean in the sense I mean in the sense that they're going okay how do I help and encourage and you know give a big hug to my friend who's going through this how do I help them what what would you say to them what what things did your friends do what yeah what advice would you give well, I'll tell you how my friends walked with me yeah. and
1: then maybe some advice because I I love them. I feel like they really struck the right balance with me, and it was two things. It was listening and lamenting with me, mm-hmm. getting in my pain with me. Yep. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Henry Nowen, but he wrote a book called The Wounded Healer, which I would highly recommend. And because they knew me, because they knew the leap would be a terror, they would just come over and check on me and just sit there sometimes while I would cry, while I would lament, while I would, you know, I can't believe God's doing this. Yeah. You know, I'm calling, I'm telling about my yeah. hot water heater and my car. And I think that was really important because in the listening and lamenting with me, they came close enough to my pain mm-hmm. and I let them come close enough to my pain mm-hmm. that they could also speak truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think sometimes maybe if we try to speak truth first without the listening and lamenting, without being the wounded healer, without just being okay to sit in silence, like Job's three friends says they sat in silence with him for the first three days they were there. And it's that Jewish just sitting shiva thing, Mm -hmm. just lament, just giving room for the grief. And I actually think that sometimes it's sitting in the actual lament that the wisdom for what's coming finds us. Mm. So we don't get to bypass the lament because the truth yeah. comes out of it. Yeah, And so they really did both of those things very well mm. with me. Yeah, And I think part of why we feel like when we see a friend who's struggling, we need to jump in and help. We want to jump in and speak. You know, if we hear them say, I don't know if I believe in God anymore. And all of a sudden we feel the need to be an apologist and to defend the faith to them. And rather than to just be like, okay, tell me what that's feeling like for you. And let me just hear more of your heart and sit with you in it. God can defend himself. That's right. (laughs) We don't (laughs) have to save the day in those moments for people. And so I would just say, listen and lament with your friend Mm. that's hurting, touch their pain Mm. and honor it, hold it, Mm. care for it, nurture it, tend it. And, and you're not abdicating. You're not, not being a truth teller, Mm -hmm. (laughs) a truth Mm -hmm. speaker that will come. It will come Mm. after you've stewarded their pain Mm. faithfully. Mm. Um, You will be able to speak be able to speak into it. Um and I really think as westerners because as an american society, right, we're infinitely more Athens and Rome than we are Jerusalem. Totally. We are greco-roman in our frame. Yes. From our NFL stadiums yes. to our <laughs> government buildings. I mean, we love us some Greeks and yeah, Romans. Yeah. And again, they loved knowledge. Yeah. It it was the acquisition of knowledge, right? As a yeah. man thinks, so he is. Yes. That's greek philosophy, you know and for the jews it's just always been about like living our everyday lives out with the living god mm. in community mm. and so with that i would say to your friends listening as they think of their friend who's struggling is to check on them and to check on them often to not be afraid of being a bother mm-hmm. I think sometimes we just think, well, man, I just don't want, you know, she's going through a rough time. I just don't want to get on her nerves or reach out too much. But I don't know that that's even possible. Um, The Christian faith is communal. Mm. You know, here in the West, we talk all about our personal faith. It's my relationship with Jesus, my quiet time in the scriptures. But in the East, they would tell you, and I think they have it right. And I think Jesus would say this. I think Jesus himself would say this is that the faith is actually communal first Mm. and that it's Mm -hmm. the communal faith that feeds and informs the individual faith. So when we have a friend struggling in the corner, you know, let's just be a people who commit to not let them go through it alone. It's that Romans 12, mourn with those who mourn, you know, grieve with those who grieve. Um, So to reach out, there's a great quote right now. I can't think about who said it. So, so sorry. Uh, But this is not mine. It's somebody else's. But it just essentially says, remember those people who continue to check on you when all you had to offer them was pain and liability. Yeah. Wow. Pain and liability. Mm. When you had nothing to give Mm. and what you did have to give was your pain. And to, wow. they knew to be around you, it yep. was going to be rough because you yep. were in a rough, like a porcupine. Yep. I don't know about you, but when I'm hurting, <laughs> I can be a little bit of a porcupine. <laughs> totally, totally. Like I'm going to turn and yeah. show you my spindles yeah. and, and stick you, you yeah. know, if you try to get too close. But I love that thought, right? Like, remember those people who continued mm. to reach for you mm. when That's you good. had nothing to offer yeah, but pain and liability. Yeah. So consistency of presence, yeah. just not giving yeah. up in it yeah with our friends yeah you know we're old enough you know we're of that age now where i have more and more friends who've had cancer oh yeah you know i remember when it was my parents friends who would have cancer but now we're you know things are happening and stuff's going down in the earth and you know that happy all the time theology (laughs) and that celebration without lament that is not anchored in reality yeah And the Jews talk about that, like celebration, lament, being married and fused together. And so those are just some things that my people did for me Mm, during my no matter what, Uh that I think about when people ask me, you know, how would you encourage others? We just will never go wrong when we steward people's pain well. Mm. And sometimes we are depositing, Mm. we're earning some relational currency that Mm -hmm. in time we'll be able to spend in a way of speaking truth, because I would even say, you didn't ask me this and I won't stay here long, but we're also old enough that sometimes our friends are hurting because of their own sin or some, some things they fell off into. And I would still say, yes, just listen and lament all the more, just listen and lament. You don't need to feel like you need to be the defender of like the Christian way. Right, you know, like coming through the front door, yeah, it is sitting with and being with that earns the right, yep.
0: to say something, yes, yep. and to get it in that order, yeah, I think it's just very life giving, yeah, that's good. I just had a conversation with a friend, and she is in a battle, I mean, she is at battle, it is a spiritual battle. And we were talking about, you know, I'm like, I will pray for you, I'll pray for the situation every day. You know I you know I don't say that unless I mean it and it just hit me <laughs> and I said, You, this is gonna be really tough and you're gonna have to have your hands raised and it's your battle. But myself, some of these other friends, we will be your errand. We will hold up your arms for you when you're too tired. Yes. It's your battle. Yes. But we will be right there holding up your That's arms. Right. And I think a lot of times, you know, we hear something like that. And there's some of us that listen to that and go, I don't have anybody that's ever held up my arms. And I hate that. I hate that for you. But you go be that friend. That's right. You be at first. That's right. You be the friend to hold up someone else's arms when they're at battle. God can and will provide for you. But you can be the answer to someone else's prayers and hold them up along the way. So good. Okay, last question, a little bit backtracking your story. What would you say to the folks that early on in your story you're thinking I I feel that. I feel that pregnant sense I think God is birthing something in me. I think I'm supposed to take a leap of faith, but I don't either I don't know what that is or I don't I'm too scared. I mean, in that that point of tension haven't taken the leap yet. What do you say to that person? This might be
1: back to rhythms. Yeah. Creating yeah. space and filling it. Because for me, I remember in January of 2016, I knew I was supposed to resign and take the leap. I also knew I wasn't going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It sounds crazy Uh to say that. I know. I know. But we all have stories like that. Oh, and so there was that dissonance in me of I knew. Yeah. And I was refusing. Yeah. I absolutely knew. Yeah. And I was absolutely like, no. Yeah. I mean, you're. I was bargaining. I was bargaining with God. Totally. You got to show me what's next. You yeah. show me what's next. I'll do it. Then I'll until then, the story's incomplete. <laughs> uh, I don't want to really hear anything else you have to say. And that March, I took a team to Israel, and I was to the point of just not really being able to sleep well. I mean, wow. it, I just I was yeah. pregnant. Back to that nine months. Yeah. Like, there's something about to fall out of me. And I took that team to Israel, and Israel is my space. I, I love being yeah. in the land. Yeah. And I remember when I took that team, I just said, okay, as we go, if you will just, in Israel, yeah. where I am totally open, flourishing, most alive, yeah. if you will just say it there, yeah. I will come home and do it. And I knew in the moment, with everything in me, I was hoping he wouldn't answer, <laughs> which is so strange. It's like asking God to speak, but I'm like, I really don't
0: want to And he speak. knows that's what and, you're thinking oh, and yeah. feeling.
1: <laughs> but i but you know i i went in that spirit and all i can tell you is that in that two weeks in creating that space god filled it wow. and he just i just knew in my spirit it was time to go yeah and i came home and i talked to my tribe and i said i've got to do this i do not know how to do this yeah. i don't even know how to do this yeah. but i need to start having meetings and get a get a process of resignation going and Under nothing is freaking me out. I just need y'all to hold me accountable. Uh I need you to not let me shrink back. So I think for that person that's feeling nine months pregnant with something and is afraid, it is to find those rhythms that historically for you have been the ways God has met you the most, wherever that is, however that is, whatever that outworking Mm -hmm. is. And then to ask the people around you Mm -hmm. to help hold you accountable, Mm -hmm. to not get stuck, to not shrink back because in the end, I really believe that every healthy kingdom thing is communal.
0: Yeah. And so
1: I can actually tell you that my life is this fusion of me and all the influences, Mm -hmm. my friends and their voices. And they were huge in my story Mm -hmm. and being those midwives for me and helping. Yeah. So it's spending that time with God, creating that space for him to fill it. Yeah and asking your people to help you. Yeah. Like midwives. Like uh-huh. I'm about to get on the birthing stool uh-huh. and I and I'm sure I'm not going to have an epidural yeah. and I just need you <laughs> to come help me push this out and it's going to hurt. And you know, together. Together, yeah. I think the will of God comes forth in yeah. the earth and the kingdom of God comes down to the ground. Yeah. Man, that's
0: good. Creating space for God. I think a lot of us probably don't do that. I don't think that that's normal to our just day-to-day rhythms and we're about efficiency and need it now. And Amazon needs to deliver this within two days, you know, or I get my money back. And I think that is a good takeaway for me right now is thinking about how am I creating space in this COVID-19 summer (laughs) life with two tiny boys that are take all my time and attention, you know, how do I still create space? That's good. Yeah. Chrissy McClellan. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Man, what a blessing. This is life-giving. Love it. For, for me to be yes. doing
1: this in June of 2020. Crazy. This is huge for me. It's like God knew. So new. thank you. It's, it's like a God knew. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay, one last thing before you go. You know I always make sure our guests talk about some passage of scripture they really clung to during their no matter what season. And I have put all of the season one verses together in a cute, free, printable PDF that I would love to give you print it out and put it somewhere, you will see it every day. I know it will encourage you and help you continue to renew your mind with God's truth instead of letting your circumstances dictate your theology. You can go to hannasammer.com shop or find the direct link in the show notes wherever you listen. And speaking of where you listen, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, would you take two seconds to rate and review the show? It would mean so much to me. And you know, it helps other people find it. And hopefully they'll listen and be encouraged to be who God created them to be no matter what.